there, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Game Changers, where we talk to some of your favorite personalities who have had a major impact on the fantasy sports industry and discuss their journeys and what we can expect to see from them in the future. I'm your host, Dan Harris. You can find me on Twitter at DanHarris80. Our guest today is somebody who I am very excited to talk to. It's Leslie Eccles, the co-founder of FanDuel and founder and CEO of Relish. Leslie, thank you so much for joining me today. By the way, I, I didn't even ask, did I pronounce your last name correctly? You did. Well done, Dan. Yes, it's it's great to be here and nice to, to meet you finally. Yes. Yeah, we've been emailing a little bit, uh, but man, that was a rookie mistake. Not to, not to make sure. I'm glad I, I got the last name right because I was a little worried about it. Um, Leslie, I've been hosting podcasts for a few years now. Right now, uh, I'd like to say what we're in is in the perfect storm for podcast interruptions. My wife has work calls all day. My children are on a four-day break between when camp ends and school begins, and it is raining outside. So I've done studies. There's like more than a 90% chance that they're going to interrupt us and start asking questions into the microphone. So I just want to make sure you're mentally prepared for that, okay? Well, likewise, I have three children here and, and two kittens that are running around. So Oh, yeah. Oh boy. We know all about interruptions here. Oh, fantastic. All right. Just to just to give you a warning, uh my uh daughter's favorite question is what is your favorite sea creature? And oh. my son's favorite question is do you know how many state capitals there are? That, that, that's <laughs> awful. I don't know why states versus state capitals. That's just the way he likes to frame it. So I just want you to be ready for that when they inevitably come in and hijack this podcast. Got you. Um, All right. So look, today we're going to talk about how Leslie, her husband, and a small group of others founded what became one of the most important companies in the fantasy sports industry. And then we're going to talk a lot about her new company, Relish, which is really exceptional. So are you ready to jump in, Leslie? Let's do this. All right. So we've generally had on guests who spend their days discussing sports and fantasy sports for a living right now. And I usually like to talk to them about Uh, where they first started playing fantasy sports or when they first realized they wanted to be in sports or fantasy sports. I cannot imagine that you were someone who grew up thinking, you know what I want to do one day? I want to totally dominate the sports and fantasy sports industry. Is that is that fair? That's totally fair. Yeah. All right, good. So talk to me about your professional start, your background, all that good stuff. Yeah. You know, I grew up in a small town in Scotland, the east coast of Scotland, very far away from New York where I am now. And I never dreamt that I would be involved in sports in any way, shape or form. Um, I was never a sports fan. And I, about, let me think, what year was it? 2007, my husband turned to me one day and he said, I really want to do a startup. And I said, oh, this is not ideal timing. We have a toddler and a baby and a big mortgage. This is really bad timing. Um, And very quickly I realized if we didn't do something in the startup world at that point, like there's never a good time to start a business, never. This was a particularly bad time, but I didn't want either of us to look back with any regrets on uh, that moment in time. And we kicked off with uh, a game. It was a prediction market game that we'd come up with. And uh, we managed to raise some external funding for it, which was no mean feat back in 2008 in the height of uh, the sort of recession then. And the game itself was free to play, but it was based around predicting news stories. And okay. sports obviously was a, a really big section of, of the game. And what we noticed was there was such a high level of engagement in the sports section of, of this prediction game. And we were, you know, we're all kind of 
maths nerds in the company and we were like okay what what is this this is really really interesting and we spoke with our customers and we did lots of research and we discovered this thing called fantasy sports that we had never really known about before that point you know we were based in a university building in in edinburgh in scotland and uh you know a couple of the guys were into rugby or soccer but but none of us were into nfl or nba or any of the american sports so that was my uh, induction into the world of American sports. And it really was, you know, we were all in on this startup. We had very little option to say, do you know what? Let's not do this anymore. Um, and it's like... Leslie, before you go on, what did you do before the startup? Like, what was your, your background in exactly? What were you working in? Yeah. So my very first job was in a tech startup. I worked in technology my whole life. And uh, right before uh, we founded what would become FanDuel, I was a management consultant in London for uh, about eight years or so. Okay. And what what was what was behind your husband's sort of said, you know what, because, you know, if my wife came to me and said, you know what I really want to do, you know, I really want to do a startup, I'd be like, oh, uh, okay, I, I, don't, I don't know. So what was, was that something that he had always thought about or, or just randomly sort of came to him being like, let's just do this? Yeah, yeah. No, he had he had worked for the company that turned into Betfair, uh, mm. which uh, you know has kind of come full circle in that the company that Betfair is now, uh, you know, Fanduel is part of that company now. So he had worked for that in the very very early days, and we'd sort of experienced the dot com bubble in the in the late nineteen uh, nineteen nineteen nineties. Mm-hmm. Um, and it had always fascinated him. And he used to, you know, read about all these founders doing all these cool things and think, I would love to do that and just somehow, uh, you know, change the world. We didn't go into this with an, uh, an idea of, you know, let's build some kind of lifestyle business that we can just be comfortable in. From the outset, we went at this from, okay, let's find, uh, uh, you know, let's, Let's build something where we can really stamp our mark on the world. That was kind of where we where we started, okay. um, and and okay. yeah, and that that so, turned into into Fanduel. Okay, so you are in this, you know, you, you start up this, and what was the original company called before it was Fanduel? The predictions? Yeah, it was called Hubdub. Okay. It was right. actually a name invented by my then three year old son. <laughs> I, by the way, I let my children basically run my life when it comes to things like that. So I, I highly endorse that. Um, okay, so you are you're you're doing this and you're realizing that sports is kind of a, a this predominant time. Now, how do you go about out of curiosity before we even get to okay, let, let's switch sort of our business into this model? I you know, I assume you know, you're in Scotland at this point, right? That's what you said. So, yeah. so how do you how do you go about analyzing this market that you you know you guys are are pretty unfamiliar with other than you're like man there there seems to be a lot of interest in this how do you go about sort of being like this is what we should be doing in this market where we don't have any you know bearing in yeah and i think you know if we were in the states if we were um you know if we had family and friends over here it would have been so much easier because you you call up your cousin or your uncle or your brother or whoever it is that's, that's into it um, we didn't really have that option. Um, so we did a lot of, of ads on Craigslist and Facebook to find people who uh, would talk to us. <laughs> sure. Random Scottish person calling them 
and asking them weird questions about uh, what does the NFL stand for? <laughs> yeah, well, um, that'll do it. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, my learning curve was very, very rapid. Um, but I think not being in the, in the sport itself and being a complete outsider with fresh eyes, I think that really allowed us to see the opportunities and see the, almost like see the problem areas that, uh, were just being accepted by, uh, by people as the way that it is. You know, the season long was the way that you play fantasy sports. Um, and, and we were able to see all these, uh, other opportunities and ways that we could approach it. Um, there's actually, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but there's a book being written about the FanDuel story and FanDuel and DraftKings. Is that Billion Dollar Fantasy? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Have you read mm -hmm. it? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's yeah. Uh, it's an interesting read and it does go into a lot of the kind of backstory around um, how we how we ended up uh, building FanDuel. Yeah. All right. So let's 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 talk about it a little bit more. So you you switch over to this and you have a group. Of, it's you and your husband and a few other co-founders right yes yes okay. there were three guys uh tom rob and chris and uh we originally met them uh, and nigel and tom met at a, a tech meetup event in edinburgh um back in 2007 um, okay. and we really just hit it off from there and and where is sort of the you know you understand fantasy sports here you're seeing where it was where does sort of because because fanduel originally starts as obviously daily fantasy sports so where where does that kind of who how do you come up with that essentially you know what i mean because right now everybody's like of course daily fantasy sports great i remember when it first came out i was like whoa this is crazy you know who how do you guys come up with that sort of thing and, and move the business from hubdub to fandle you know our whole approach was really test and learn you know do some research come up with a hypothesis test something learn and move on um, and the very first version of FanDuel that we introduced in the summer of uh, 2009, um, it was a completely different to, to what you see today. Um, it was, you know, the clues in the title, it was head to head only. It was a duel between two players. Um, and uh, the, the way that you picked your team was completely different. We didn't use a salary cap. It was more of a snake draft. Um, and there was, a, you know, we went through a, process of about six months of optimizing the product to a point where we really had what's called a uh, product market fit where you know the product that you have is right for the market and it really was just an iterative process doing doing lots of testing yeah okay so you're you're starting to go when's the first time you kind of feel like oh boy we're, we're on to something here that this is something that's that we think is really going to work um so honestly like honest answer it yep. wasn't until i would say november 2014 where i finally let myself believe that it was going to work really yeah yeah yeah, so that, yeah. that's yeah. like i mean what is it five years into it longer than that even five years yeah yeah oh yeah goodness. so it was five years of constant um pushing and feeling like it's never going to work and uh you know somebody somebody asked me the other day how do you know when you have product market fit and you know I kind of said well it's when you stop pushing for a little while and it still keeps going that right. you know it's like oh right okay there is something here um and the moment that I, I really thought that we had something was by, by this stage that we'd done our first uh deal with a professional basketball team and uh was it, the magic? it was magic was it? yeah 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 it was mm -hmm. magic 
And we were standing on the court surrounded by uh, FanDuel banners. And at that point, I thought, maybe we're onto something. Yeah. <laughs> so it's got to be not long after this, or I don't know, even before this, where DraftKings comes along, right? I mean, yeah. when does DraftKings sort of come in and you're like, oh boy, now we've got this this pretty aggressive competitor. Right. Yeah. I think they launched end of 2012. Mm-hmm. Um, and by sort of football season of 2013, I I could tell that they were pretty aggressive. And okay. they were, you know, somebody that we should be watching. So how does it then, you know, because you are also not not just, you know, one of the co-founders, you're head of marketing, right? At yeah. this time or at this point. So what how do you walk me through basically okay so you guys are are starting to sort of really be like okay this is definitely something that we have now DraftKings come in they're extremely aggressive and it's this big kind of competitive battle you know what I mean that 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 people know about you guys basically I I feel like there's probably this point where you have to say what are we going to do about this are we going to go Okay, we're we're gonna match these guys. You know what I mean with with the advertising and everything like that. And and obviously the advertising, as as anybody who was paying attention at the time knows, was a ton yeah. of advertising for you guys. So so how was that process about deciding how are we gonna go forward now that we're faced with this pretty aggressive competitor? Well, first of all, I just want to apologize to everyone that suffered through the twenty fifteen <laughs> uh, advertising <laughs> war. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all it right. was that's not fair. the plan. <laughs> uh, you know, going into 2015, we had heard that fan, uh, DraftKings were out to raise a half a billion dollars and basically spend it all on advertising. So we had a board meeting, which was, do we meet them or, you know, try to meet them? Or do we just let them take market share? And at that point, at the end of 2014, I think we had like 70% of the market, maybe 60% of the market. And, you know, we wanted, we agreed that we wanted to make sure that we ended 2015 with at least 50% of the market. Mm-hmm. Um, and we knew their style. We knew how aggressive they were. And, you know, frankly, uh, the arrival of DraftKings, you know, it's a double-edged sword, but it, it certainly cemented the industry as an industry rather than just a company. But I would say that, you know, the 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 decision was made in January of that year to to match them. And, and so we had to go out and raise, uh, you know, the hundreds of millions of dollars as well. Yeah. Out of curiosity, I mean, I don't know if you could pick a year or whatever year you guys really went after it roughly a figure that you guys wound up spending on advertising to sort of yeah. you know in 2015 between the two companies we did spend half a billion dollars on advertising oh my goodness yeah we were the largest spender on tv in the country uh during september 2015 we were the largest spender on facebook in the entire world uh wow. in in september 2015 it was it was crazy it was absolutely bonkers yeah. Yeah. No, I, I do remember it. Uh, and you don't need to apologize. It was fine. I was ready for it. Um, okay. So after, you know, you, you guys are in this battle and then at some point, you know, there becomes all these legal questions, right? Whether, you know, yes. game of skill versus game of chance and everything like that, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that was um, October, November time, 2015. So, so you know, what happens when you spend half a billion dollars on advertising is that AGs sit up and take notice 
Um, and, you know, we'd tried over the, the previous 12 months to engage with them on the legality of the industry and try to, you know, open up conversations around, you know, how, how do we protect consumers in this industry? You know, we, we felt that we were, uh, you know, we were very much values driven and, and, and ethical. Um, but we couldn't say that for everyone that was coming in. I mean, at one point we had a hundred different competitors in the DFS space. Um, so how do you police this? Um, and what we saw was that the AGs just weren't interested in having those conversations. You know, it was, it was fantasy sports. Who cares? Um, and, and that was kind of the, the attitude that we were seeing. Um, so obviously, you know, you go out and have this advertising war. And there's uh, repercussions in terms of everyone sits up and take no- takes notice. Um, and that was the start of a process which lasted a couple of years whereby, you know, if there's the f- 52 states in the country, a proportion of them uh, have specifically carved out fantasy sports as a game of skill and therefore legal. And then a proportion of them have specifically said fantasy sports is a game of chance and therefore illegal. And then a proportion of them don't mention it. Um, so it was specifically the ones that don't mention it where we had to clarify, well, which side are you on here? Um, and we, we worked through a process there. And I think the final number was 22 different states. We clarified the law and, uh, and really that process paved the way for the, the repeal of PASPA and then an introduction of, uh, online sports betting, uh, right. in 2016. And at some point, you and DraftKings, FanDuel and DraftKings, start obviously discussing merger talks, right? Yep. That and was, when was that? That was fun. <laughs> yeah, right. I, uh, yeah. That was, uh, let me think, 2016 going into 2017. And had you guys actually agreed on a merger? And was it blocked by the FTC? Is that what happened? Yeah, that's right. It was anti-competitive, according to them. Um, we would have taken up too much of the of the industry. Um, so we, yeah, we had almost a full year of negotiations and we, you know, it was right at the end of that year of negotiations that the FTC blocked it. So it was, wow. it was, um, annoying. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that, that that's fine. <laughs> okay. So I have a couple of questions just generally about, about building, you know, any startup really. Um, but, but something like this first, how was it? working with with so many founders because i think you know you maybe five total i yeah. think you said between you and especially also a subset of that one of them being your husband like I know. H- how how was that process i know right glutton for punishment yeah, yeah seriously <laughs> okay so a couple of different things there were five co-founders the nice thing about about us was we were the right blend there was an obvious front-end engineer there was an obvious back-end engineer there's an obvious designer marketeer, CEO, it, it, we all had our own um, areas that, that we focused on. Um, and, and that really worked. And, you know, we got to the end of 10 years of building this company into what I think the latest analyst result, uh, analyst report I read was it's now worth $21 billion. Right. Yeah. Um, the, uh, we got to the end of this, these 10 years and we're still friends. Like that, yeah. <laughs> that, and you're still married. We're still very much married. Wonderful. Um, you know, and I think the c- coming out of the the FanDuel experience, 
um, really drove home to me the power of relationships and the importance of them and really the fact that it's all that matters you know it doesn't doesn't matter how much money you make or you don't make um you you need to rely on each other to get you through the craziness that life throws at you um and that was the 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 thinking behind the starting of relish my my next company yeah well we're gonna get to that in one more question but i do but that is i assume that was going to be my follow-up be like wow I have to imagine that that played a, a big role in in starting up Relish. But before we get there, my last question is, you know, we've talked a lot recently. We've had on female guests and, and we've talked about, especially in the fantasy sports industry, just the reaction to women being involved, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I, I'm hopeful now. And, and from what I see that it, it's starting to change generally throughout the industry. But how challenging was it for you to be a, a female in a male-dominated industry like fantasy sports? Yeah, yeah interesting question. Um, I could talk at length on this. Um, <laughs> uh, so I was in a p- peculiar situation where I was married to the CEO. Mm-hmm. Um, so not only was I female, I also had that dynamic going on. Um, and what I found was that I had to prove myself over and above uh, some of the other founders, some of the other team members, um, to prove that I was there on merit. Um, and one of, you know, a lot of my experiences, particularly with going out to visit some of the teams that we were partnered with, um, you know, they do the whole corporate thing, they put on a big show for you, and you're in a box, and there's food and drink laid on, and then the maybe the the team owner or the business development team come in and and they do a double take when I'm introduced as as the founder of FanDuel or, or the co-founder of FanDuel. Um, and it happened time and time again where I'm standing with a team of guys. They're all towering above me. I'm only five foot two and a bit. And uh, they're towering above me. And, and the, the eyes glaze over me as if, well, she's secretary or some marketing lackey or you know somebody not important in my world and and then it's like oh double take you're you're actually the founder and the and the change was incredible time after time after time uh it was just this double take and and reverse you know reverse step into oh gosh i really should talk to you and 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 you're clearly very important right which is it's something that you you Uh, get used to i've worked in technology my entire life um yeah is that something by the way that is that not something that you think is necessarily specific to obviously working in fantasy sports or sports industry that's just the way life is i think it's it's male-dominated industries so we Mm -hmm. have the double whammy of tech and sports um so yeah i was pretty used to being the only female in the room we had a every board meeting there were about 20 people in the room we had a lot of board members we have a lot of board observers and, um, uh, you know, I was, I was usually the only female in the room and we would go out for dinner together and, you know, the waiter or the waitress would come over and assume that I was the organizer of the dinner, um, stuff like that, you know, it's yeah. just that everyday sexism or whatever it's called. Right. It's nothing, nothing malignant, you know, it, it's just so inbred in 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 all of us that uh it's it's hard to change but the amount of change that i've seen in the three years since i left fanduel has been 
just fantastic. It's great to see the, the change happening. All right. Well, that is good to hear, at least. And now that we are, you know, at that point where, you know, you've, you've left FanDuel, let us talk about your new company, Relish. Now, before we get into the details of it, let's talk about the process of you starting it. So, you you know, you're, you said to 2016, you know, you leave FanDuel. What I mean, did you were you like, OK, great, next startup, let's go into this. And the idea is right there. Or did you at least give yourself like three weeks of breathing room or whatever? <laughs> yeah, so it was. Um, September 2017 when I left and I have to tell you the 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 time at FanDuel was the most amazing and the most awful experience you can imagine and I came out of it feeling pretty battered and bruised by the experience and thinking I never ever ever want to do another startup in my entire life and I will never watch another game of football or basketball in my entire life and that was very much the 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 frame of mind that I was in when I when I initially left and after about four months I uh, and during that time you know people say well what did you do for four months like we we moved to America which was a, a big deal so you were still in Scotland the entire time uh before this we moved in 2016 okay and uh I learned to breathe again. That was the, the overriding kind of feeling of uh, leaving the, you know, taking, getting off the hamster wheel. And um, learn to breathe again was a big deal for me. And after about four months of that and enjoying being with the kids and, the uh, you know, getting used to life in America, I thought, oh, I'm getting a bit bored. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And I thought, okay, maybe I could do another startup. But I knew that I know what it takes. I know the sacrifices that you have to make. And I wanted to, whatever it was that I was going to do next, because I expect it, you know, it's the next 10 years of my life. Um, whatever it is that I do, I want it to be as impactful as FanDuel was, but much more about, and this sounds incredibly cheesy, but much more about making the world a better place in some, in some way. I really, really wanted to almost give the world a, a hug at the end <laughs> of my FanDuel experience. And yeah. I wanted to hug my whole team and just, you know, uh, be incredibly grateful for, for those people that had shared the, the journey with me. And so that was kind of all my, my thinking at the, at the time. And I'd watched a few of my close friends and family members go through divorce. And I thought, if there's a way that we could use technology to prevent heart heartache, really, um, going forward, if we could change the script about relationships from let's fix one that's broken to, do you know what, let's make sure you have the best relationship you possibly can um, and start getting people to invest in their relationship the, the same way as they might invest in a coach for their golf swing or a tennis coach let's invest in your relationship before it's too late people leave it too late to get to marriage therapy by the time they get there uh you know there's a 50 50 chance that it's not going to work because the the bad habits are formed the uh the the attitudes are there the eye rolling is there um so let's get these relationship skills and 
uh, the, the, the sense of investing in your relationship as early as possible into people's hands. And what better way to do that than through an app? Yeah. So the ideal customer for this, and again, I want to, I want to explore exactly what it does. These are, are people or, or does it, does it need to be both uh, of a couple or, or one at a time or anything like that? But it's people in a committed relationship, right? That That's really what it is. Yeah. You know, if you're, if you're dating, you, you know, you don't know that this is the one and you're not really ready to invest. Um, but with, uh, with a committed relationship, you know, this is the one you want to spend your life with, um, or at least the foreseeable future with, um, then let's, let's, let's do this. And you, it's designed so that you can sign up by yourself and get started by yourself. You don't have to sort of sit down as a couple and do it together. Um, and what we typically see is one person seeks it out and, and, or comes across it or finds it and then invites the other person to join them at some point. Um, okay. So there's a lot of interactive lessons in there and activities and fun things. But the, the, the uh, differentiator about it is that we worked with a team of psychologists and professors of relationship science, marriage therapists, life coaches, and we've created this assessment tool and uh, almost like a uh, like a content recommendation engine so we can under like diagnose quote unquote what type of relationship you're in and how healthy it is and what type of a person you are what type of person your partner is and then we're almost like digitizing that experience of sharing all of your thoughts and feelings with your coach and having the coach recommend activities and lessons for you um you know if you if you start using relish and you're in a relatively healthy relationship then you'll get ways to encourage more fun in your relationship, nice date night ideas, um, uh, you know, probably some inspiration for your love life. Um, if you're on the more broken end of the relationship spectrum, then we're looking at um, how can you be more vulnerable with each other? How can you support each other better? How can you manage your emotions? Um, so, yeah, it's it's a fun easy convenient way to start investing in your relationship um, yeah no. i feel like when people so i didn't mean to cut you off by the way i'm very no, sorry no, um when i feel like you know when people because you know i know a lot of people who have you know w with their marriages falling apart first of all they they try to work on it too late you know what i mean sort of yeah and i think that's sort of part of, of what you're talking about but it, it's very much of a you know, when they when they do decide to get help, it's always a, you person who is helping us need to fix this person. Yeah. Like, yes. right. You know what I mean? And I feel like it, it goes so far beyond that when you're in a, a healthy relationship. Right. Right. Exactly. I've heard that from so many therapists. I've, I've heard that's one of the things I've heard. And the other thing I've heard is people feel like it's worse than going to the dentist when you right. go to see a couple's therapist. It's so awkward. It's so uncomfortable. And people hate it. Um, so if we can save people from the therapist couch, then brilliant. <laughs> yeah. And out of curiosity, you know, obviously, I, I, I'd have to imagine that the vast, you know, whether it was your target audience or, or just your consumers were mostly male in the fantasy sports industry. What's the breakdown, generally speaking, with Relish? Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's mostly 50-50 because even if the female is the one that downloads it in the first place, then they invite their partner to, to join. Um, 
but uh, you know, overall, it's about sixty percent female that, that that signs up first. So slightly okay. more females than than males sign up first. But what we do see is that the males that do sign up, they really engage with it and they love it. And you know, it's designed in a way that's very inclusive. It's not gender specific in any way, um, and it's all personalized to you. Um, so uh, I think I think that's I think that's the right approach. Okay, so this question actually comes from my sister, um, who, you know, she and her husband have been married for a long time. They have a healthy marriage, but they work on it. They they constantly work at it. One of the things, the phrases that she always uses. So I'm sorry if this does, isn't a pro, you know, this doesn't work for whatever the app is. But she always talks about love languages. So yes. she she talks. Is that okay? So his is this is what I understand. His uh, my brother in law's love language is is words of affirmation. That mm-hmm. that's sort of his. So when he shows his appreciation for her, mm-hmm. he does it using that love language. And for her, like her, she always describes her love language as quality time. And so it's like they miss each other. Yes, yes. You know because what I mean? Is that showing, the sort of thing? You're showing love the way that you want to be shown love right. rather than the way your partner wants to be shown love. So, you know, we take that into account. We test your love language. We test your attachment style, how anxious you are, how insecure you are. Um, how uh, independent you are or um, how almost needy you are, you know, on, on all of those scales of um, uh, uh, anxiety and, and attachment. Um, so we take all of that into account when we're diagnosing you and, and planning your activity plan. Um, but love languages is great, particularly for date night ideas. Uh, it's important to be able to uh talk each other's love language it's you know it's not the answer to everything and i think a lot of the advice that's out there at the moment is it's like you know great i know what my love language is i know what yours is but what do we do next like what do we do with this information um and that's where relish goes uh goes further and spoon feeds you almost like these little bite-sized uh activities that are all rooted in science um that you can check off you know pretty quickly three times a week like five minutes a day and that can make all the difference like we've looked at the results of of people you know if you do the exercises if you trust the process you see results it's amazing yeah it's i mean it's scientifically backed sort of yeah right relationship improvement plan like that that's really what it is so if if people don't want to are, are there like like actual like individual like coaches if you if you want to go beyond that is yeah, it, yeah yeah we have a team of of coaches on staff who you can text with uh, it's all included in the base subscription price and you know if you want extra time with them you can you can get extra time but uh just knowing there's somebody on hand whenever you have an issue or you have a question or a problem that can make all the difference and again this is really this is not just for people who are you know, certainly not at the end being like, oh, no, this is our, our attempt to fix it. This is really for anybody who wants to continue. Work. And this is something, by the way, <laughs> sorry to go off on a little bit of a tangent, but I stress this with our friends, you know, because I, I feel like in today's world, especially, you know, with with Facebook and everything like that, everybody paints this very uh-huh. picture, perfect little setting of their marriage and their stuff. And my, you know, it's something I talk to my wife about because she's on Facebook a lot more than me and be like, well, they, you know, blah, blah. And I'm like, that's, that's not, you know, if you look behind the curtain, like everybody has to work on their relationship. So relish is really something not for people necessarily 
struggling with their relationship, right? But I mean, that, that can be it, certainly, but it, it's beyond that, right? It, it's for really anybody who wants to invest more yeah. into their committed relationship. Right, right, exactly, exactly. I think, I think you know, 10 years ago or five years ago, you know, myself and my husband were going through, we're going through problems and, and you think, where do you go? Like, I'm not about to spend four grand on marriage therapy because right. like, that's crazy. Um, but it's important. We have to fix this and it's making me miserable. So where do you go? Um, well, you know, Relish gives you a really easy, convenient and, and cost effective way of looking after your relationship. Yeah. It's really great. I'm, I'm not saying that because you're our guest or anything like that. It's hellorelish.com. And again, there's an app. It's really fantastic. So Leslie, I usually end the, the show or, or at least the segment basically, you know, usually saying to our guests, if you could offer one piece of advice, you know, what would it be? And that's usually asking people who are like, well, if you want to be a fantasy sports analyst, you know, what would your one piece of advice be? But I think it's probably better, obviously, given your success is to ask what advice would you offer to anyone looking to break into basically any industry or setting up his or her own business? Interesting. Oh, gosh. So many, so many things spring to mind. You can go beyond one. You can do whatever you want. I won't limit you. I promise. Um, so I think, I think what's super interesting for, for the Fantasy Pros audience right now is, uh, trading cards. Like let's, let's talk about trading cards. This is an area that's completely blowing up right now. Yep. Um, you know, the Mike Trout card being sold for $4 million. Right. It's like, what? This is yeah. crazy. Um, so, uh, I've just invested in a company called starstock.com and mm. it's a stock market for trading cards. So ah. think DFS, but trading cards price going up and down as the games are being played. Um, yeah. super cool and absolutely taken off right now. Um, so I've, I've talked to a lot of DFS players who are kind of transitioning to, uh, to dabble with, with trading cards. Yep. And, um, you know, I think if you're, if you're looking to, to make a little bit of money, that's not a terrible idea right now. Um, I think if you're looking to go deeper and set up your own business, become an entrepreneur, my, my advice is always make sure you really want it. Make sure you're willing to make sacrifices because it's really hard. You need to be very comfortable with uncertainty. You need to be uh, very, very resilient um, and uh, not worry too much because it was, this, it was uh, something that we experienced time and time again at FanDuel. You're always, uh, you know, you're regularly a month away from not being able to make payday. And that's that's a pretty stressful uh, way to live. So right. you need to be sure that this is something that you want to do. Um, and then once you've made that decision, yes, I completely want to do this, then don't be um, precious about your idea. Take feedback, seek feedback out, but actually take it. You know, I've had so many people come to me with, oh, this is my idea for my business. And what do you think? And I'll tell them exactly what I think. And they'll be like, oh. Right. Well, screw you, you know. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um like, well, you know, you have to you have to be open to changing course. We did that with the change from Hubdub to FanDuel and knowing when to make that kind of change of direction is really really important. Yeah. 
that's fantastic advice. I, honestly, I, I've enjoyed talking to you so much and I did not in any way a slight on anybody that we've had on this, but this is obviously a very different conversation that yes. we've had, both just because of your background and, you know, again, talking about your new company, which yeah. I love. So usually what we do is we have a little, you know, thing where I ask 10 kind of goofy questions. We call it the Blitz. I mentioned to you before we started recording, I have to get that short today. I've got some parental obligations no that I've got to run to. So I'm sorry, but, it, you know, you can imagine I'd, I'd probably be asking you where's your favorite vacation spot and things like that and, and, and silly things like that. But in the meantime, before we go, um, do, is there anything we missed? Is there anything you want to say about Relish? Again, I, I really do. I'm not just saying this. It's a fantastic idea. It's really well executed. Just go on the website, hellorelish.com, look for the app. It's fantastic. But is there anything you want to say about it that we haven't covered already? Look, I think I think the only thing I would say is if you want to be left in peace to watch football this season, <laughs> get on Relish now. Yeah. Like, start investing now and it'll pay off. You're not joking. I'm not you're joking. You're not joking. Trust me. Joking. I, I, you're really not. Um, all right, Leslie, I, I, I can't tell you how much uh, I appreciate you taking the time to pop on, how much I enjoyed talking to you. Uh, really, I, I'm, I'm, I, I think what you've done, obviously, not only in the fantasy sports industry, but now beyond it, um, is really fantastic. And I, I wish you nothing but the best of luck. Thanks so much, Dan. It's been a pleasure. Loved talking to you as well. All right. Before we go, I do want to remind everybody that we are running our contest where we're giving away a signed Mike Evans jersey that closes on August 31st at 11.59 p.m. So you have a couple more days. Just leave a review for the show on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. Send the screenshot of it to GameChangers at FantasyPros.com. We will be back soon with another episode. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Mm -hmm.